0: What's up crew in the house? Great to see you guys. Big shout out to the dads in the building. Happy Father's Day to everybody watching online. uh, Thanks for being with us today. I am going to uh, sweeten the deal a little bit this Father's Day. Uh, For all you dads that chose to hang out with us. So, we're gonna give something away today. Here's how you win it. Uh, If you are a dad, uh, take that red card, the next step card that you see in the seat back in front of you. Flip it over, write your name at the top, write your email, however, we can get in touch with your cell phone. Then write dad on it. On the way out the door, drop that in one of the black offering baskets there on the table. And today on every campus, we are going to give away a $100 gift card to a restaurant in town called the Cowboy Brazilian Steakhouse. Now, obviously, some of y'all haven't been there because you didn't scream out loud at that moment. So let me explain to you what the Brazilian Steakhouse here in downtown Winston-Salem is. They have 16 different types and cuts of meat, Uh, steak, lamb, chicken, and also pork that they will bring to your table and you can eat all of it that you could possibly want. Now let me pause right there. I'm worried that you heard me say you can eat a lot. That's not what I said. I said you can eat all of it that you want. All the meats, 60 different types of meats, okay? Now listen, they have a salad bar there. I call that a distraction, okay? So don't get tripped up with the salad bar. Don't put a bunch of mashed potatoes on your plate. You need to cheat the system. You are there for the meat, okay? So if you're a dad, I want to encourage you to sign up for that. We're going to draw one out on each campus. And then uh, here's what I do. I will text you if you win it, and I won't even tell your family. If you want to go there and just eat by yourself a couple of times, like you don't even need to take your family. Don't even tell them you won. Uh, just enjoy it uh, for yourself, man. We want to make Father's Day sweeten the deal a little bit. Uh, and I love Father's Day, but but I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell y'all what y'all already know, okay? Okay. Um, Father's Day is not as big of a deal as Mother's Day is. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm just going to throw it out there. Sometimes I feel like Father's Day gets cheated a little bit. And I'm not mad about it. I'm just acknowledging it. Let's just acknowledge the facts in the room right now. I actually did some research on it this week. And check this out. In the United States, 84% of the population in our country celebrates Mother's Day. Isn't that awesome? Well, let's look at the percentage that celebrates Father's Day. 76 percent. Quick math there, carry the two, that's eight percent less on Father's Day. I hmm, feel like we're cheating a little bit. feel like we're, we're playing favorites here. Here's, here's another figure. Uh, do you know the amount of money spent on Mother's Day every year? 25 billion dollars is spent on Mother's Day. Now dads, we got some expensive taste, right? We got grills, and we got a bunch of stuff that we want. Let me tell you how much is spent annually on Father's Day, $16 billion. That's less. That's significantly less uh, when you think about it. I don't know. We can talk about income inequality if we want to, but here it is right here (laughs) on paper. Do the math, uh, break it down. The average amount of money spent on a Mother's Day per family is $195. And y'all probably spend more than that on y'all's mom because you love your mom on Mother's Day. Let's look at what the average gift is spent on Father's Day per household, $139. Dollars, which is less if you look at it just real quick. Uh, I don't understand like what it is. Um, I was asking people when they came into the door today, I was like, what's your plans for lunch for Father's Day? And I did not get a lot of answers. And you wanna know why? Uh, I did the research on um, restaurants, the busiest days for restaurants in the United States. Can you guess what the number one top busiest day in restaurants is in America? Mother's Day. You know what number two is? Valentine's Day. Two holidays made for women, right? And so, (laughs) go ahead. Go ahead and have that. You know what's not on there Father's Day? You know you know where what restaurant you're going to be able to walk right into today without a reservation? All of them. Because that's like all of them are going to be open on Father's Day. Here's how bad Father's Day is. Like my my girl's, I'm going to have to cook my own meal on Father's Day. What are we having for dinner today? Well, I guess I'm going to pull the grill out and I'm going to cook my own. There's no brunch at the Klein House for Father's Day. Uh, we're going to have to pull the grill out and make our, our own. I had some heartbreaking facts uh, from Hallmark. Hallmark posted something. Did you know that Hallmark, the card company, sells more St. Patrick's Day cards than they do Father's Day? I didn't even know St. Patrick's Day was a real holiday. Isn't that a drinking holiday? Like, that's not even a real holiday, man. But there are more cards Bought on St. Patrick's Day, then on Father's Day. In fact, if you go into a, a store right now that sells cards, the, the, the fathers, we have to share the section with graduates this time of year. Do you understand that? Like there's two rows of Dad's Day cards and then like five rows of congratulations, you just graduated preschool and fifth grade. And now you're in high school and college grad. Like it's ridiculous, man. We can't even get our own section in Hallmark store. For, for Father's Day, it's, it's not the same. There's a discrepancy there. Um, but, but dads and moms are different, though. Like, no, no, no doubt about that. We think differently, we talk differently, we act differently, we make decisions differently. I don't know if, if you're, you can see that differential between your, your parents or not. I know when, when, when my kids, like, if, if one of us, my, my wife or I, are out of town, Or we're not going to be here that night. Um, And and we have the responsibility of preparing dinner for our children. Uh, It's it's two very different ways that we go about that decision-making process. When my wife cooks dinner or prepares dinner or decides what's for dinner when I'm out of town, she's asking herself questions like, uh, is it healthy? Uh, Are they going to eat vegetables or a fruit? Is it going to be a balanced meal? Like, is this going to be a a healthy meal that they're going to enjoy? Now, when when Elizabeth doesn't come home for dinner and it's my responsibility, I can tell you two words that never cross my mind. Is it healthy and are there vegetables with it? Like, I'm not answering those questions. I'm like, is it fast? Is it easy? Does it taste good? That's why it always ends up being chicken nuggets and french fries because it it all ends up in those three categories. So, we we think very differently differently. Same thing if I want to take the girls and do something with them, right? If Elizabeth wants to take the girls out, she's going to ask, is it educational, right? Let's go to Greensboro to the science center, right? Let's learn something. Let's expand our minds through this process of entertainment. Uh, Is it safe? That's a question that Elizabeth is going to ask when she takes our daughters out. I can tell you two questions I've never thought about when I took my daughters out. Is it educational and is it safe? I want to know, is it fun? Like, are we going to have a good time? Is there a possibility that somebody gets hurt? Of course it is, but that's what makes it a great time, right? That's what dads do. That's what we're in, in it for. So we, we think very differently. We act very differently. Moms are the nurturing type, right? Traditionally, they're the, the, the lovey-dovey, the nurturing, the I want to care for you. Dads have this idea. Like, this is something that every dad I've ever met, they have this desire like in their heart in life. We want to teach people what we know. We want to pass that on to the next generation. Like, whatever I know, whatever my hobbies are, whatever my likes, whatever my skills, like if I know how to fix something or do something, like I, I want to teach my girls how to do that. Like, that's how my dad was when we were growing up in a house of, of two boys. He wanted to, to teach us everything that, that he learned, that he knew how to do, and kind of pass that on. I, I think that's just natural for, for guys, especially for, for dads. And in fact, I think one of the, the number one jobs of a dad is is this we want to prepare our kids for their life once they leave our house I think that's the number one thing. Physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, and also spiritually. Like moms are very different. Moms want their kids to live with them their whole lives, right? You never have to move out. You can live here. If you get married, you and your spouse can live here. There will always be a place for you. There will always be a place for you to call home. Like it's so different. Like when I go home, Uh, When when I talk to my mom, right before we leave, my mom says the same thing every time we leave. My mom always says, Nathan, I wish y'all could stay another day. Can y'all stay another day? What do you have to do tomorrow? Do you have to work? Does Elizabeth have to work? Why don't you leave the girls? Like, Can you stay another day? The trip was too fast. My dad, totally different. My dad will say, Nathan, I know you're planning on leaving this afternoon, but have you thought about leaving this morning to avoid the traffic, right? Because I want you to get home sooner, right? When we're leaving, we're pulling out of my parents' driveway. My mom is crying. My two daughters are crying. My dad, hey, see y'all later. We'll call you. Don't call us, right? I'm yelling out my window to my dad. I'm like, it hurts my feelings why you have such a big smile on your face every time I pull out of your driveway. And I take my children with me. Like, what's going on, pops? We're just different like that. But, but I think there is this innate thing that, that, that we want to teach. We want to pass on what we know. Well, today I want to share with you a story. It's actually just two verses out of the book of Proverbs. I, I love doing Proverbs on Father's Day because uh, Proverbs was written by a man named King Solomon. And he wrote it to his boys. Like this is a letter to his sons, teaching them how to be a man. Teaching them how to to live their life once they leave their dad's influence. And so, this this whole chapter, chapter three, is one of my favorites when it comes to this father son connection and this activity. But but I'm just gonna do two verses today. Like, this, this passage is so thick, it's got so much in it that I'm just gonna do two verses and explain to you a, a few things. It, maybe this uh, text will sound familiar. We're going to be doing Proverbs chapter three, verse, verse five and six. Maybe some of you have it memorized. Maybe you've heard it before. But, but here's, what I, here's what I want to do. I, this is something that my dad used to teach me and, and tell me about. And I think this is what King Solomon is doing with his boys. My dad to this day, he'll tell me, say, Nathan, if you ever need anything, call me. Day or night, whatever you need, Call me. You can always call dad. Dad will always be here for you. I'll help you any way that I can. Like, I want to serve you. I want to help you. Like, always call me. Dad was always wanting to make sure that I was, that I was taken care of. I, I can remember growing up, the first time I was left at home by myself, like dad would say, if you need something, call me. If there's an emergency, call 911, right? Just like, don't call me and tell me the house is on fire. Call 911 directly if something is, is, is wrong. Now, when I went to college, I went to college three hours away from my house, and my dad told me, he said, hey, man, if the car breaks down, call AAA. Right, call a mechanic, they'll fix it for you. Like, don't try to fix it yourself. Don't get stranded on the side of the road. Like, if you have an emergency with your car, then call somebody. He gave me this advice when I was in college. He said, Nathan, if you ever go somewhere and maybe you're at a a party or you're with a group of friends and if they ever start to do something that you don't want to be around, that you're not comfortable with, man, maybe you rode with somebody and now they're at a party and and they're drinking and you feel like they had a little too much to drink. He's like, hey, don't, don't be afraid to call somebody. Call a cab, call an Uber, you know, whatever. Just get somebody there that can help you. My question to you is this. As dads, in some roles as parents on both sides. What happens when your kids come into a situation that dad can't get them out of? What happens when they run into a problem that AAA can't tow them out of? What happens when they are confronted with a situation, a difficult situation in life that an Uber can't come and pick them up and deliver from them? What happens when they face things in life that they just can't pick up the phone and dial 911 and expect someone to show up in a few minutes? What happens when everything starts to fall apart? Who are they going to call? Have you helped your kids know what to do in that situation? This is where King Solomon is in in chapter 3 of the book of Proverbs. What happens in that moment, your family needs to know who to call, who they can trust on, who they can lean on. And this is when King Solomon penned these words. This is from the New King James Version. It's been a minute since we read from King Jimmy. Here's what it says, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not... On your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Pretty popular text. Uh, I know this is only two verses, but it's so, so good. I wanna challenge you write these things down. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he, God, will direct your path. Three things that I I believe this text shows us that dads can teach. You know, we love to teach. We love to pass things down. Three things that dads can pass down to their kids that I think we read in Proverbs chapter 3. The first one is right there in the first phrase. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Here's something that a dad does. A dad teaches their kids who to trust. In this world, who can you trust? Who do you put your trust in? There's this interesting thing that, that, that adults, many adults believe, and, and they think it's like the purpose of, of uh, what their relationship with their kids is. is uh, it's this. Uh, I want to teach my kids to one day be independent, right? Isn't that the goal, right? That one day they would be, dad, they would be off your payroll. <laughs> they would be out of your house, They'd be able to know how to make decisions on their own, know how to make money on their own, know how to take care of the problems on their own, know how to face life on their own. And so there's there's this idea that we have in our culture that that's our goal. I want you to be independent. I want you to grow up and be an independent, self-sufficient man or woman. And I know we want them to have a job. I know we want them to make their own money. I know we want them to have their own place to live, have a little bit of independence. But spiritually speaking, King Solomon actually teaches the exact opposite of that. What we read here, when when King Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, King Solomon isn't saying, I want you to teach your sons and daughters how to be independent. He actually says, I want you to transfer your dependence from you to God. I know right now, your kids trust you. They trust you for their finances. They trust you to make the right decisions. They trust you to to provide for them, to give them good advice. The idea is not to teach your kids to learn how to rely on themselves. The idea is that you would take that trust that they have in you and say, now I wanna teach you to trust in God. When you have a problem, I want you to learn how to pray and go to God. When you got big decisions to make, I want you to learn how to trust in God. When you've got something that you don't understand, you need some wisdom. I want to teach you not to rely on you, not to trust in you, but I want to teach you how to trust in God. I know we live in a world that says the goal is to be independent, but Solomon says the goal actually for our families is to teach them how to be dependent on God, not on you, But dependent on God in their life. Now, when you teach your kids to be dependent on God, there's also some things that you're teaching your kids not to trust in. Are you teaching your kids that a paycheck is great, but you cannot put your trust in money? Are you teaching your kids that a spouse is great, but you cannot put all of your trust in your marriage or in your relationships? Hey, it's great to have a job, but are you teaching your kids that they don't need to put their trust in that job? Because one day you could lose your money, you could lose your job, you could lose all of your relationships. What happens when everything falls apart? We also got to teach our kids that they can't trust in themselves even. You're going to let yourself down. If you don't believe that, ask some friends. You've let them down many times. (laughs) It's not just about trusting in God. It's about helping your kids understand there are some things in life that a lot of other people put their faith and their hope and their trust in, but that is not what you're supposed to do. That's not what you're gonna do in your life. When the bottom drops out, when you lose your job, when the doctor looks at you and says, it's cancer, when one day your mom and your dad are no longer here, then who are you going to trust in? What will the rock in your life be? Are you teaching your kids that they can trust in God, that their dependence needs to be in God? Well, when, when, when you do that, like how do you teach your kids? How do you teach them how to trust in God? Well, I think for a dad, one of the best things to do is you show them. Like you don't just tell them, you show them. Now, my dad wasn't perfect, but I wanna tell you a few stories about my dad uh, today. My dad thought that it was one of his jobs was for him to get caught doing the right thing. I can remember my dad every morning would get up and he would go down to the kitchen table and he would read his Bible and he would pray at the kitchen table. And you know when he did that? He did that right before my brother and I came down for breakfast. Now my dad could have stayed in his room with the door closed and he could have read his Bible and he could have prayed and he could have put it up before we got there and he could have been sitting at the table ready for breakfast when we came down. But my dad's goal was for his sons to catch him doing the right things. It's not bragging, it's about leading. It's not saying, look at me, it's saying, hey fellas, let me show you what the true priorities were. And I can remember to this day, I can go to my dad's house today and I can tell you that on that table is gonna be a Bible that's open in a notebook where he's writing down prayers for my brother and I, where he's writing down things that he's learning. And he did that every day, hoping that his sons would catch him spending time with the father. My dad uh, prayed for us every night. And there were some times where my dad had a meeting and we had to go to bed before he came home. But here's what my dad would do. Every night, he would come into my room and my brother's room and he would pray over us. Now, here's the deal. Reality is a lot of times when he came in, I would pretend like I was asleep, right? Because I was supposed to be asleep a long time ago. So I would have the covers up to my, up to my neck and, and I would pretend like my eyes are closed and I'm breathing real heavy. Now, that could have been a moment where my dad saw that I was asleep and just backed up out of the room and got quiet. But my dad, when he would come in at night, he would pray over us and he would do it out loud. Now he could have very easily just gone to his bedroom and closed the door and and said a silent prayer. But I remember here, my dad would speak those words over my brother and I. I would hear my dad praying for us and praying God's blessings over our life and praying like these these, these vision prayers that he would have that God would change our life, that God would use us in powerful ways, that God would lead us and guide us and give this wisdom. And here's this little kid pretending to be asleep, but my dad wanted me to catch him doing spiritual things so that it would give me an example. It's better caught than taught. And I can remember there were times where where my dad was a pastor, and somebody would give him like some money, give him a hundred dollar bill, and say, "Hey, I want you to take your family out to dinner tonight." And we would get in a restaurant, and the bill would come, and my dad would pull this one hundred dollar bill out of his wallet, and he would say, "Guys, we're eating out tonight because someone was generous." Someone believes in us. Someone believes in the ministry that we're doing here. Somebody believes in what God is doing through us in this local setting. And somebody gave me this $100 bill and said, take your family out to dinner tonight. Man, this is just a way to thank you. And he said, man, isn't God good? Now, my dad could have just paid for that. Man, no no 10-year-old kid needs to know where the money came from. Like, they just need to know dad's gonna pay for it. But he took that moment. He said, man, this is a blessing from God. See, God provides these things for us, man. God blessed us with this through these people. There are ways, and King Solomon says, man, trust in the Lord. He's pleading with his sons, trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Dads, I want to challenge you. Get really good at getting caught at what God has called you to do and use that as an opportunity to lead your family well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart was the first thing he said. Second phrase, lean not on your own understanding. This is another thing that good dads do. Christian dads do. Dads that love God and want their families to follow and pursue God. Number two, they teach them who to depend on. Who can you depend on in in your life? Now, this is interesting that, that Solomon would say a phrase like, lean not on your own understanding. Because the Bible tells us that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. Here's the story. God came up to Solomon and said, Solomon, I will give you anything that you ask for. Like anything in the world that you will ask for, I will give it to you. And when scripture tells us that when Solomon was given that opportunity, he looked at God and said, God, I'm a king. And so I want godly wisdom to be able to rule these people well, to make good decisions, to be a good leader for all of these people. Can you believe that? I 100% if God looked at y'all in this room right now and said, I will give you anything in the world, 90% of y'all wouldn't be in the room anymore. Like, like you would have money that you wouldn't know what to do with. You'd live on a beach somewhere. You would not be sitting right here right now if God came up to you and said, I will give you anything, anything in the world that you want. And this man said, I just want godly wisdom so that I can learn how to lead well. And isn't it ironic that the wisest man in the history of the world looks his sons in the eye and says, do not trust your own wisdom. Do not rely on your own understanding. There's gotta be something else that you're depending on. Lean not. Well, that word lean, actually in the Hebrew, uh, is the word to use for a king's right-hand man. Every king had a person that they would go to that was the smartest, wisest most discerning person that they had ever met. And when they would ask that person a question, the king believed it. Like, I'm going to ask this man, this, the, the person that I lean on, I'm going to ask him what I should do, the decisions I should make moving forward. What's the wisest thing for me to do right now? And when that man spoke, the king did exactly what that man or that woman commanded him to do. And that's the language that King Solomon says. He says, you know, I have somebody that I lean on. Hey, boys, I want to tell you, don't lean on your own understandings. Don't lean on your own emotions. Don't lean on your own feelings. Don't lean on your own wisdom. That's a good way for that to get kicked out from underneath you. Lean not on your own understanding. There's a phrase uh, that we like to use in in our culture uh, that kind of goes in the opposite direction of this. Uh, somebody ever told you uh, you just need to trust your gut? You ever heard that? Or just like trust your instincts? Now, I've heard people give that advice before. It's like, you know, sometimes when you, when you got a question or you got something on your mind, like whatever you feel like deep down in your heart, whatever, hey, whatever your gut is telling you to do, that's what you need to do. Just go with your gut. Man, have you seen some of the things your gut has produced? Have you smelled some of the things your gut has produced? That's the last thing I would trust is your gut. You can't trust your instincts either. You want to know why? Because you're wrong a lot. Like, that's just the reality. If you don't believe that, go go home and ask some of your family members. Say, am I ever wrong? And they'll give you a lesson on your instincts. King Solomon says, don't trust your own instincts. Don't trust your gut. Are you kidding me? Where is that going to take you? Like, don't trust your own intuition or your own feelings or your own emotions. Lean not on those things because they will let you down. Eventually, you'll get to the point where you're wrong and you'll wreck your life because you were leaning on your own self. Sometimes our perceptions are misguided. Sometimes our opinions are wrong. Sometimes our emotions and our feelings are just flat out. That's it. There are emotions and our feelings, and they're they're not going to produce the desired results. Here's the challenge, though. If you teach your kids to grow up and trust their instincts and to trust their gut, they're going to turn into one or two people. The first person is this. You're going to raise a kid that thinks they're always right. You ever met somebody like that? Some of y'all already got kids like that. It's like, they think they're always right. And they think dad is the stupidest person in the world. (laughs) And dad doesn't know anything. If you teach your family that whatever you feel on the inside is right, whatever you want is right, whatever you think is right, then you're gonna grow up and you're gonna have a kid that you can't tell them anything. That you can have all the evidence in the world that they're wrong, but they're not gonna be able to willing to admit it. Because you raised them, telling them they're always right. Trust your gut. Trust your instinct. And when things do go wrong, you'll have a kid on your hands that wants to blame everyone else. Because it certainly can't be my fault. Remember, I'm always right. I went with my gut. If you don't raise that person, the number two person that you have, and these people are a train wreck sometimes. They're fun to watch, but I'm glad I'm not one of them. If you raise kids that believe that they should trust their gut and follow their instinct, uh, then you're going to raise someone that doesn't have a pause button in their life. You ever met people like this? First thing that pops into their mind comes out their mouth. (laughs) They're fun to watch. (laughs) The first thing they want to buy, charge, it doesn't matter. I don't have the money. Don't worry about it. Scan the card. If you want it, just buy it. And they're going to wreck themselves financially because they were taught Trust your instinct. Whatever you want, whatever your feeling is, just do it. Just take it. They're going to wreck their marriage because the first feeling they had, they chased. Instead of hitting the pause button and saying, wait, is this right? Is this true? Is this good? Where is this going to lead a year down the road? If you don't have a pause button, then your emotions lead directly to actions, and your life will be full of regret and shame. But if you can convince your kids that they do not need to lean on their own understanding, then every thought that pops into their mind, they'll hit the pause button and say, is this right? Is this good? Is this going to help me or is this going to hurt me? Every decision they make, they're going to be like, well, wait, what are the consequences? Of it? like, like well, Let me slow down. I know I want this. I know it feels good. I know I, know I desire this, but come on, let's, let's hit the pause button and really think about the next steps and how this plays out in my life. Solomon doesn't want his kids to be men that grow up without a pause button, that are filled with regret and remorse, that are overloaded with debt because they didn't know how to stop spending money. That have wrecked their marriage because they didn't know how to keep their eyes on what God encouraged and challenged them to lead as a family and with a spouse. Don't be a person that says, lean on your own understandings. The wisest man in the world says, please do not trust yourself. You will lead yourself astray. Final thing is this in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Number three, teach them who to recognize. Uh, My parents taught me this anytime we would go out in public. I don't know if it's because my brother and I were a little bit rambunctious growing up. Um, But but my parents, sometimes we would go out to a restaurant and we'd be meeting someone in the restaurant. And in the parking lot, before we got out of the car, my mom would look at me and she would say, Nathan and Stephen, you need to act like you have some sense when you go into this restaurant. Your parents ever told you that? Act like you have some fill in the blank, right? Act like you have some raising, okay? Act like you've been in public before, right? Act like you've been to someone's house before. Don't go into somebody's house and tear stuff up and be running up and down the stairs and jumping on the couch. Like, you need to act like you've been here before. This is Solomon's moment where he looks at his boys like, boys, you need to act like you know something, You need to act like you understand who God is and like you've been raised in this house that I've raised you in and that you have a dad and a mom that has taught you like this. So what do we need to do? Acknowledge God in all of your ways. Solomon was saying, acknowledge that there is a God. I want my boys to grow up knowing that God is real. He said, acknowledge that God is here. Like, I want my boys to know that the presence of God is there for them. He will never leave you or forsake you. Third thing, I want you to acknowledge what God has done for you. And this is a big one. Are you teaching your kids to acknowledge what God has done for them? When I was little, uh, sometimes for birthdays, uh, I would get a, uh, instead of a gift, he would give me a card, right? And uh, inside the card, if you were a good friend, there was some money in it, right? There was a check. There was a gift card, right? So don't, don't, like when somebody hands you a card, don't knock it. There could be something good in there. I remember one birthday in particular, I came in and I had o- opened up all the cards. And of course, I, as soon as the card was open, you shake it and you get the money and you throw the card away. They like just throw it. It doesn't matter. And I come into my parents' house uh, in their room and I said, man, look, I, I probably had like $13. I was like, I am rich. Mom and dad, look at this money. And first the question they asked me was, um, where are the cards? I was like, I threw those away. They're like, no, 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 time out, time out. You need to know who gave you that stuff. Like who gave you this money? Who gave you these presents? You got to write them a thank you note. Like we, we need to acknowledge the people that came to your party and gave you a gift. And so my parents taught me growing up to write thank you notes. You acknowledge someone. And so when you give somebody a wedding gift or a birthday gift or a baby shower gift, what do they do? They send you a note. They acknowledge what you gave them. And so King Solomon here is saying, listen, acknowledge what God has given you. All of this is from him. Everything you have is a blessing from him. Are you teaching your kids to acknowledge God? Are you teaching them to acknowledge themselves? Hey, I'm all for hard work and saving and fiscal responsibility, but I want my kids to know that everything we have comes from God. Like dad can work hard, dad can try to be wise with it, dad can be a good steward with the money, but every gift we have, that's why when we pray before we eat at night, I don't say, dear God, thank you for Elizabeth for providing this meal. She paid for it, but it's a blessing from God. God provides everything that we have. Are you teaching your kids to acknowledge God in those ways? I think too often sometimes we will take the gift that God has given us, And we'll take the blessing out and then we'll throw God away. And we're like, look at this, look at what I got. Look at the money, look at the job, look at the spouse, look at the family, look at the blessings, look at everything I have. And over here in the corner is the God that provided it for you. And I hope you can get into the habit of acknowledging God in all of your ways. Acknowledge him. Here's the payoff, right? The last phrase, and he will direct your paths. You do those three things and he will direct your paths. The word direct here is the Hebrew word that means to level, means to make flat. Earlier this month, uh, I ran a half marathon downtown with my buddy, Stephen. Stephen serves on our senior leadership team here. He goes to the Walkertown campus. And trust me, I was just as surprised as you are right now that I ran a half marathon. So here's what I did. Just just one day, I just said, we're just gonna gonna train, try to run this half marathon. So I, I ran 10 miles one time And I was like, well, if I can run 10 miles, I can run 13 miles, no problem. So we signed up for this thing. Stephen's training significantly. I am not. I'm carb loading. That's my training. I'm I'm getting carbed up because I I, I wanna wanna finish strong. Three days before the race, Stephen calls me. He said, hey, the the course map is on the website. Have you looked at it? I said, nah, man, 13 miles is 13 miles. He said, nah, you need to get in your car and you need to ride this map. He said, because if there's a hill in Winston-Salem, It is on this racetrack. And I got in my car and I'm starting to have a panic attack. Because I'm starting downtown and I am riding this race and there there are so many hills. So many hills in this thing. And the worst part about it is the biggest hills are in the last three miles. Well, I've only run 10 miles one time. So I get to the race day going strong. That's a that's a strong word. I'm running. And I get to 11 miles and my mind says, you can do it. My body says, no, you can't. I started to hit those hills at the end. Here's the deal. I didn't train on hills. I didn't run on hills. Those last three miles, I'm not proud of. Not not proud. I finished, I got the medal, the participation ribbon. But it got so bad there at the end. I kid you not, when I was running downhill, it was hurting. Like it felt like I was running uphill when I was running downhill. The imagery here, when, when scripture says he will direct your path, is that God will level it out. He'll take the hills out of your life. Isn't that an amazing promise? Like there's no telling what my time would have been if there would have been no hills. Like I could have handled it, I trained on flat ground. But then when I got in the race, I realized there was a lot of hills and it was hard. And your life is the same, man. There's going to be seasons where it feels like you are running uphill and it is nothing but pain and you are gasping for breath. And you're like, God, I don't know when this is going to be over. Why is this got to be so hard? And the reality is many times when we choose to trust in ourselves, when we go with our gut and our own instincts and we lean on our emotions and our decisions, then you know what it does? It makes life harder. We have some self-inflicted hills in our life because we didn't trust in him. And we didn't lean on him. And we didn't acknowledge him in the ways that he's moved in our life. And so the promise is, yeah, here's what you can do. If you wanna trust in you, dad, if you wanna lean on you, if you wanna take all the credit for it, then do it. Your life will be full of twists and turns. And you'll realize you're running halfway down the wrong road before you have to turn back around. And then year after year after year, it'll feel like you're running uphill and you're tired and you're exhausted. And you're just like, man, I just want some peace. I just want some rest. And the beauty of this says, if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings and in all your ways acknowledge him, then he will take the hills out. He will make your path straight. And you'll get to where God has called and created you to be faster with less problems and less stress and less pain and less anxiety and less out of breath moments. He will make your paths straight. He will direct your paths in life. I don't know about you, but that sounds real good right now. I'm tired of running hills. I'm ready to trust in the Lord so that he can make my path straight. Let me pray for you. God, what a promise. What an incredible moment that that you would make our paths straight, that you would level out the incline so that it wouldn't be so hard, that you would take out some of the twists and turns that slow us down, that, that keep us from becoming the men and the women that you've called us to be. What a promise. God, I pray that our desire would be for the straight and clear path that you have for us. And that out of that desire, it would drive us to want to trust in you with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, that in all of our ways that we would acknowledge you. So God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to know what to do with the words that we've just heard and to produce that straight path in our life through faithfulness and obedience. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at